I'm guessing it's hard to get through your day without someone bringing you some kind of problem to solve. It just comes with the territory in your leadership role. You're expected to be a problem solver, and it can feel like a heavy burden. But it doesn't have to when you understand the power of positive thinking that you can prompt in other people by asking better questions. Stay tuned. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this episode of CEO on the go. I hope you're doing well and enjoying the spring. In case you missed my last episode, the theme had to do with being uplifting as a leader and the importance of elevating other people. That episode was inspired by my unexpected ride in an elevator packed with seven feet tall pro basketball athletes. Spoiler alert, uh, the team was the Utah Jazz. And even if you don't follow pro basketball, and of course, I don't, as I mentioned in the episode, you still might find the episode to be thought provoking and action provoking. It's a short episode that I'll be building on today. And by the way, the name of that episode is Jazz It Up elevating your leadership performance. So you might want to listen to that one just for fun before this one. But anyway, one of the best ways to be uplifting as a leader is to think about the words you use and the tone that you set. And one of the best ways to do that has to do with the questions that you ask. And so I wanted to talk about asking better questions today, which begs the question, what is a better question? It's one that helps people become more optimistic. It challenges their thinking, especially if it's negative. The right questions can help people become more possibility-focused or solution-oriented instead of pounding a problem. When you continue to talk about a problem so much, that problem can actually grow. It seems to get bigger and, and can be more difficult to uh, to solve. Um, and before I, I share some of the questions, I did want to talk about how you can diagnose a problem or or make sure that you're focused on the right problem and to talk about some useful questions for that when you are presented with some kind of problem. Again, before I start talking about asking better questions to set a positive tone, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that you should never talk about problems. It's how you talk about them that can make a difference. It's worth mentioning that often what you think is the problem is not the real problem. And and I know that I've talked about that on another episode. So I, I actually looked it up. It's episode number 10 that was recorded back in September of 2020, but it's still very relevant. So I encourage you to listen to that one as well. If you'd like to hear many examples of misidentified problems, the name of that episode is called getting to the real problem. So the temptation, especially if you're like most executives that I work with is that you're trying to solve the problem too quickly, trying to, you know, diffuse a difficult situation quickly, almost like you're in a a game of tennis, you know, the ball comes over the net and you want to just hit it back over the net without thinking too much just to kind of get it out of your territory. But if you can pause for a moment and clarify the issue first, it will pay off in the long run. Say, for example, one of your direct reports, we'll call him Philip, approaches you and is talking about a team member. And he says, Amy's making too many errors. 
the reports are never accurate. Clients are frustrated that we're sending them this inaccurate information and it's not up to date. Of course, this is a purely hypothetical example. Um, but let's say, you know, Philip is, is not her manager. He is a team member or a peer of hers. What would you do? Would you go straight to Amy and talk with her and try to fix it yourself? Would you talk to Philip and coach him, you know, the guy who's complaining or informing you of the problem to give him guidance on how he can talk to her? Who's ultimately responsible here? And what's the real problem anyway? Is it Amy? Is it the system? Maybe Philip doesn't like conflict or is uncomfortable providing feedback and doesn't want to address the issue. Or maybe Amy is getting bad data and there's some kind of uh, miscommunication issue. Maybe it's your hiring process. Maybe Amy should have never been put in the role that requires attention to detail because she's just not wired that way. Or maybe the person who hired Amy made a wrong decision. So, you know, of course, there are a lot of variables that could influence your response to determine what is the real problem. My point is, before you simply swing at whatever's coming at you over the net, stop the ball, take a look at what's really going on, assess the situation more carefully. If I've learned anything in the consulting work that I've done for so many years, it's to dig deeper when clients present what they think is the problem, to not accept the problem at face value. So I often challenge that. So here are some questions that can help you do that. You might ask, how long has this been happening? Has it been a few days, a few weeks, a few months? I have some clients that allow problems to continue for years. And, and you know, another question, why hasn't this been addressed earlier? Or if it has, what have you tried? Why is that not working? Was there some kind of change maybe where Amy was doing well and then her performance slipped? How severe is the problem? Is this a minor annoyance? or something that threatens your business, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what is the severity level of the problem? Who else is impacted? What's the real scope? And what if you are the problem? Oh, no. <laughs> so if you're like a lot of leaders, I know you'd like to get the situation resolved fast. So you might step in too quickly yourself. But what you may not realize is that you've been presented with a symptom, not a problem. So anyway, all that is to say that it's really important to make sure that you're focused on what the actual problem is, and then to consider the kinds of questions that you're asking to help resolve it. When someone comes to you with a problem, it might seem natural to say, okay, tell me more about the problem. Why is this happening? And, and those aren't necessarily bad questions. Better questions, though, might be what should be happening instead? When you help people orient themselves towards something that they want, as opposed to something that they don't want, they'll feel more motivated or inspired to move toward that. So you can help shift their focus through the language that you use and the line of questioning that you use. You know, using language and asking questions that that creates positivity is a skill that you can develop. So you might consider saying things like, I believe that we can solve this or that you can solve this, or I know you can figure it out. I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we're looking forward to reaching a, a specific milestone, or you can reiterate what you're excited about regarding your vision, assuming that you have a vision. And, you know, here's some quick examples of, of how I often respond to negative statements or challenges I hear from my clients or their team members. You know, one common complaint is we don't have the resources. I'm guessing you may have heard that from your team at some point or another. You can turn that statement into this question, well, how might we accomplish what we need to with resources we already have? You know, your brain starts seeking a solution when you ask it that way. 
You might also consider this question, how can we be more resourceful? Or how can we begin to acquire what we really need now? Uh, Another complaint that you may hear from some of your team members is, you know, we have no power, things are too political around here, you know, it feels like our hands are tied. So, you know, one question might be, well, how can we influence most effectively? What's one step we can take to achieve what's most important to us right now? Um, People often complained about being overwhelmed. And so the temptation is to have them regurgitate, well, tell me everything that's on your plate, you know, and what are you working on now? As an alternative, you might say, what's the first thing you need to do to feel less overwhelmed? So as you can see, by the nature of these questions, you're kind of forcing people to think differently. Some people may say, gosh, it's just been such a challenging week, or I've just dealt with so many problems. And, and instead of going down that path of, of you know, reviewing all of the problems or challenges, you might say, well, what are some of the lessons that we've learned that can help us improve in the future or make us better? So again, you can just tell it lands differently. Some people may say, I'm just feeling down or burned out. And so one other more positive question might be, how did you get past low moments in the past? What seems to work best for you? And then something else to consider are upcoming meetings or events that you're planning that will involve your team. Chances are pretty good that some of your team members may be dreading some of these meetings that are being planned. They may think that the meeting will be arduous or time-consuming. Strategic planning comes to mind since that's one of my core service offerings, and that's where I spend a lot of my energy with clients. Many people view strategic planning as this long, intellectual, kind of arduous process filled with a day of wordsmithing. Some people say it's wasted time, frustrating or exhausting, but what if strategic planning can actually be fun, energizing, productive, and impactful? That's a question I started asking myself to help me develop an approach to strategic planning that's actually engaging, modernized, and more motivating and even inspiring. And so I was so excited when one woman who participated in a recent session pulled me aside afterwards and she said, I have to admit, I had been dreading coming to this event for months. But it was amazing. It gave me so much hope for our future and what we can do together. So those are the kinds of experiences that you can create for your team by including questions that show that you care about what other people are thinking, what they're experiencing, that lets them know that you're listening, that you're clarifying, you know, what they're communicating so that they feel heard and understood. You know, a couple of good questions to do that. What's most important to you now? Or what do you care about most now? Ultimately, this this line of questioning and reframing can can help you create a relentless focus on the positive. It helps you create positive energy uh, on the challenges facing your team or your organization, no matter what your industry is. Doesn't matter: healthcare, education, insurance, engineering, financial services, nonprofit, professional services. People are people. In the last episode, I said good leaders are good uplifters. So I hope this episode provided a few more ways to help you do that. You may jot down a few of the questions that resonated with you. Keep those questions or some variation of them handy to use in different situations. Let me know if there's a specific team or business challenge that you're facing. We can explore how to turn that problem into positive energy and get the outcomes that you want. Remember to watch your words, choose them carefully to craft questions and comments that help people move toward the future they really want. You'll set the right tone for positive change and even transformation. Thanks for listening. I'll just end with one final question for you to ponder. What's something that would help you feel more inspired in your own leadership role? It's worth thinking about. 
Until next time, I hope you have a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.